Welcome to Real Life at the Ridge, the preaching ministry of Chestnut Ridge Church. Good evening. How's everybody doing? Uh, tonight, I want to. I'm going to take us to Colossians chapter three. So, if you got your Bibles and stuff, and want to turn, device, however you want to get there, Colossians chapter three. Uh, we're going to go there, and I want to take and I want to step you through a few things, or at least try to. The last thing I mentioned in our service on Sunday morning uh, was something along this lines that. If you, you are to have joy as a godly man, and I, and I want to spread this out, that if you're a godly person, ought to have joy in doing good. In other words, doing what pleases the Lord. You ought to have joy un, inexpressible and full of glory if you're serving the Lord. And, and that's, that's possible, I believe. No matter what you, uh, where you're at at the end of the day, uh, with, with everything else, if you know that you've done right by the Lord, then that your joy should be found in knowing that you have done right by the Lord. Now, that's something that I'm trying, I want to try to get across because I didn't, I had a lot more to say on Mother's Day than I had time to say it. And I look at it and I go, wow, I wish I would have broken that up a little bit. But, you know, one of the biggest things in the Christian life to try to learn how to, how to work through and how to, to go through is when we find stuff in the Scriptures that says, this is how the Christian life ought to be. And we go, I'll never measure up to that. I'll never be able to, you know, at the end of the day I fell short of this. this. At the end of the day I didn't measure up to this mark of uh, being Christ to the world. And, and sometimes it can be discouraging like discouraging, because I'll never be there. That's what, what, our, what we start telling ourselves. I'll never get there. I'll never be at that point. And so sometimes we, we'll bring the bar down. I talked about that a little bit Sunday, the fact that we'll, we'll, we'll take and we'll lower the bar so that uh, everybody in church can kind of hit the mark but what we do is the same thing that we've done in our school systems. We've lowered the bar to where the, there's, there's nothing that you have to really stretch for and strive for. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that there are not kids out there that have not worked hard in school and all that stuff. But the truth is, if you go and you evaluate what we've done to the school system, we have lowered the bar. There is really no such thing as failing anymore hardly in the school system. They are going to push them through. That's not right. Failure is real. Can I get a witness? I mean, there's a team that wins, and there's a team that what? Loses. And that's part of life. Everything that you enter into, you might win some, you might lose some. And they always say it's how you play the game. And as a matter of fact, that you are your best when you are a good loser. 
that you, you know how to lose. If you know how to lose, you'll appreciate winning a lot more, right? And so in the Christian life, what is winning and what's losing? Well, I want to, do, I want to talk to you a little bit tonight about that, but I also want to help you, and you and me both, to understand some of the things that have happened in Christianity and in, in church life and all, and how we kind of got into a situation that we've got to get out of. So, that being said, Colossians, I mean, and I told you Colossians, Philippians, which not far from Colossians. I was reading some stuff in uh, Philippians, I mean, in Colossians 2. So, Philippians chapter 3. So, sorry about that. But Philippians chapter 3. I'm going to start reading in verse 7, and I'm going to read down to verse 14. So the Apostle Paul, Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 through verse 14, and we're going to center in verses 12 through 14 in just a moment. But he says, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ, and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know Him, and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead." Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. He says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, what, what Paul's talking about here is the fact that in his life, he has now, he is surrendering his life over. In other words, he is denying his flesh, his desires, his, thing, his wants, his wishes, his dreams, and he is surrendering them over to Christ, and that, that he might attain the knowledge of Christ. And we can say, again, of the gospel, of truth, but that we might reach that mark. And so, if we take and go ahead and uh, go ahead and set us a mark there, if we were to set a mark very high, the high, the mark that we actually are supposed to be shooting for, what would it be, church? It's Christ. That's the mark. You with me? That's the mark. That's what God has always wanted us to shoot for. Is for Christ. That we are to be like Christ. Matthew tells us, as a matter of fact, this uh, Matthew 5, 16, Let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works, your good deeds, and glorify our Father which is in heaven. How, what, what are we talking about, our good deeds? It is Christ living in and through us. It is that others may see Jesus in you, right? That others will see Jesus. But see, here's what I believe we can, we can have happen if we're not careful. If we're not careful, what we'll do is, let's say we have salvation, right? We get salvation and we go, hey, they told me I need to pray. And then they told me I need to read my Bible. They also said I need to come to church, to church, 
and we go on and on and on, right? But did you know that a lost man can pray? Did you know that a lost man can read his Bible? A lost man can come to church. A lost man can serve in leadership if, so, if, if somebody will let him. And sometimes you don't know whether they're lost or not because they can put on a show that's, that matches the height of Christianity that we set. But see, that's the problem. The problem is we set the bar over here and go, it ain't there, but it's there. And everything that we do, it's like, if you can perform all these things, and you can perform them well, you have to be a good Christian. You with me? But that ain't the mark. That's lower in the bar. As a matter of fact, and I, I, I'm, I'm going to try to work through things pretty quick tonight, but I want to I just say stay right dead on track, and I want you to follow along with me. These right here... Praying, Bible reading, come to church, whatever, 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 whatever. That's the means of the Christian life, not the end of the Christian life. Christ, Christ is the end. We are to be conformed into the image of Christ. We are to let this mind be in us, the Bible says, which is also in Christ Jesus. But anybody can do this. You're right? You with me? And as long as we do this, we can fake it. As a matter of fact, if, if all we ever teach people to do is to do these things, then what we do is we create more and more of us. We disciple people to do that very thing, and we set the mark at the most godly person in the church. But that's not the mark. The mark's Christ. Not the most godly person in the church. And, and there was a day and time, and I'm just using history, to, or, 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 uh, the history we have to point to it. Man, look at old so-and-so over there. He's humble. He wears that suit every single Sunday. He cuts his grass. He don't owe nobody nothing. He's a good man. Worked down there at the mill 45 years. Helps all the poor people out all this other stuff. But can anybody do that? They can. If they try hard enough and they work hard enough and they, they, they push at it, you can be just like brother so-and-so. And sister, we'll give sister Z. You can be like brother X or sister Z. If you just do these things that they, they do. Matter of fact, we got old brother so-and-so. He's chairman of deacons because he's a good old boy. Ain't never done nobody wrong. He, 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 he ain't never, never had no problems out of him in town. He ain't never been locked up. Well, I'm telling you right now, good man. Matter of fact, I believe he's been saved ever since he's been born. Just ain't never had no problem. And sister, man, she makes the best peach cobbler. Come on. Man, she, I mean, I'm telling you right now, that banana pudding she makes, woo-hoo! She wears them pretty dresses all the way down, don't never, she's always dressed modest, and man, she's all, I mean, reads her Bible every night. 
She's always at prayer meeting, and boy, have you ever heard her pray? She's got a line straight to heaven. I mean, she's hooked in. I know y'all have heard this stuff before, right? See, when the Bible grabbed a hold of needing some servants, I say grabbed a hold, when, in the Bible when they needed to grab a hold of some servants, listen to what they said in Acts. Go out from among you and choose you seven men of good reputation. Okay, that's brother so-and-so. Then it says, full of the Holy Ghost. You see, I've, I've had the privilege in church life of working with some folks. They look good until you pinch them in a corner, until you, until you twist up their traditions, until you twist up the, their, their thinking the way they want things. And man, I'm telling you right now, next thing you know, a serpent comes out. And it don't matter, and I'm, I'm just telling you right now, they're no longer here. Matter of fact, they're no longer living. But I have sit in this very church, and I can take you to any other church that I've been at and tell you the same ones. I have sit and tried to have conversations about the leadership of God's church before with somebody that was chairman of deacons right here. And I'm talking about the Bible, and that person says, let me tell you what, this, he says, that's right, let's go in the Bible. Opens up the Bible and pulls out the bylaws to the church and starts reading to me from the bylaws of the church instead of reading to me from this book. And will hold to the traditions and the bylaws and everything else over this. You know what the problem is with every document that we write as a human being that's not inspired by God to write? It's fallible. Y'all ever, y'all ever been a part of anything? You write something down today, and about ten years down the road, you go, "Man, boy, we messed up, didn't we? Didn't see that coming because we're not God. We can't see. We, I didn't know this situation. As a matter of fact, bylaws are amended quite often. You know why they're amended? It's because we are fallible human beings." And we can't foresee this thing that's going to come up in the future because we've never run up into it before. But see, God's not fallible. God is infallible. He is omniscient. He knows everything from the end to the beginning and from the beginning to the end. He, he's immutable. He, he, he transcends time and space. So when He writes it down, culture changing does not change His Word. A life event that happens in this world does not change it because he already knew. See, there's some people that will change God's Word because they'll say, well, it's just not relevant to our day and time. It's never irrelevant because an immoral, immeasurable, matchless, omniscient God wrote this book. Used men like fountain pens and wrote it down. But see, that's the problem when we take and we elevate or take and lower the bar, and we leave it there, but we don't hold accountability to the fact that this is not it. It's Christ. I want to take you through a few verses in Scripture here. Listen to the Apostle Paul. Now, this is the Apostle Paul. This ain't just some good old boy. This is the man that God penned 13 of the New Testament books through. I mean, Outside of Jesus Christ Himself, it's kind of hard to picture anybody 
with more clout in Christianity than the Apostle Paul. I mean, when you read the New Testament outside the Gospels, guess what? You've got a great chance you're going to be reading what God penned through the Apostle Paul in his life. Stephen, one of the leaders in the New Testament church, was there being stoned to death, and the Apostle Paul was a part of it, holding their clothes. And then God takes and transforms his life. He was already a good old boy. He was the epitome of a good old boy. As a matter of fact, Jesus said this, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will in no way inherit eternal life. What does he mean by that? Unless you can get better at doing church than the Apostle Paul or Nicodemus, any of the ones that were rulers, Paul was not a, not a dummy. Paul was a well-educated man, very well-educated. Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews. He, he was the one that you'd come to, and he would explain the law to you. He would explain God's Word to you. But both of them were lost. They were already good old boys. But then what happened was they got born again, and the Holy Spirit of God came to reside inside of them. And now the things that they wanted to do they don't want to do. And the things that they didn't want to do before, now they want to do them. And, and their, their want-tos changed. Everything starts changing. And now, listen to what the Apostle Paul says again in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 again. But what things were gained to me, these things I have counted as lost for what? For Christ. Not to be the best dude in town. And I know we won't say those words, but, and we would never say that we would lead somebody to be that person, but I think it just happened. Because, for one, it's easy, to hit, it's easy to want to be in the club where the mark is set where I can hit it. That's why we have so many different affinities. You know, there are certain people that like this and certain people that like that and certain people that are at this point. You know, I mean, and then you've got the, uh, you know, the, the clubs in, in the communities where, you know, you got to be a little bit more ritzy to be able to afford to be in this club right over here, right? You know, and so you've got separation going on out here, out here. And see, that's one of our biggest issues today, is it not social justice? Come on. We want justice for all the different groups. But see, there's only one place you're going to find justice for all the different groups, and that's in Christ. Because any word you put in front of justice, it, it, it takes it and makes it specific to a certain group. But when you just say justice, well, there is justice. It's the law. And the only way that you're ever going to be able to be okay when it comes to the law is in Christ Jesus. Listen to what Paul says. But I, what things were gained to me, these things I've counted as lost for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Paul is striving but Paul's not striving to be like brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so. Paul is going beyond that. He said, I count all things, my reputation in the community, my, my buddies, my girlfriends, my, my clubs I'm in, my, my desires, my wishes, my wants. 
He said, I count all things. And well, as a matter of fact, listen to what he says. Whom I have suffered all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Didn't say that he would gain some reputation in the community. Didn't say that he would gain some position in church. Said that he counted it all as rubbish. And rubbish, when you study that word out, do y'all know what dung is? It's the stuff that they make scoopers for to go behind dogs and scoop up. Paul said, I count it all as dung. that I may gain Christ. And he said all things. As a matter of fact, if you watch, he said that quite regular, didn't he? In the, just in that, those two verses, he said, I count, it, it just ain't none of it worth it if it's going to stop me from getting here. And it don't mean that we're doing this in our own strength. He's going to show us that it's God that's doing this. God's working in us both to will and to do of His good pleasure if We'll give him a place. And he, he found, and, and be found in him, in Christ, not having our own righteousness, and there's the point right there, not the righteousness of brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. Well, I tell you what, I just wish I could be a Christian like Grandma. No, what you need to do is you need to be concerned. Don't, don't get me wrong. That's some good footsteps to follow in. But that is not the goal. The goal is not to stop. And Paul even said, follow me as I follow Christ. But Paul's not going to leave us hanging on his coattails. He wants us to keep pushing forward, keep pressing on. Why? Because, well, matter of fact, let's just read it. And be found, verse 9, be found in him not having our own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 6, Without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to him must believe that he is, also that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Then he says, verse 10, That I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already attained or am already perfected. He says, verse 12, but I press on. Press on for what, Paul? That I may lay a hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. The gospel. That I may lay hold. He says, I press on. Now when we look at verse 12, and this is something I want to uh, kind of center, center in on for, for a moment. I just want to show you that the Bible does say that we have some responsibilities. So he says, I press on. To press on, it means to uh, pursue, but it's got this little uh, extra thought on it that we are not just to pursue like we just, ah, I'm going to chase after Christ. No, 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 no. One of the meanings is to pursue in a hostile manner, like aggressively pursue. And, and listen, in a way, uh, in, in any way whatever to, to trouble, Do you, you, ever, you ever had your kids trouble you? Candy jar, 
you know, the, the, uh, a little trinket, because Walmart, I mean, they're professionals at advertising, right? It's not by no, it's not by accident they put the stuff at the register that they put there. Mama, please, mama, please, mama, please, stop, honey, stop, honey. I'm trying to, mama, please, mama, please, mama, please, mama, please. You know what they're doing? Pressing on. They're pressing on. Persecute. And, and, and to seek after eagerly, earnestly endeavoring to acquire. I tell you, I'm just not getting anything out of church no more. Please hear me when I say this. We're supposed to get something out of this. Okay? I get what you're saying. There, are, there's, there, there could be times when we're not getting it out of this. And, and all, but see, it's great to come to a place in your Christian life where you don't have to have somebody stand up. And don't, don't hear me wrong. There's nothing wrong with this. You don't have to have somebody stand up in front of you just spitting, snorting, hollering, putting on whatever show you want to be put on. And the music ain't got to be performed just like you want it to be so that you get your fix. But you're rooted and grounded. I want something out of this to feed on. And I want to feed myself. Teach me, train me how to feed myself. And that's what we're doing right now. So this is, we're pressing on. That, that this is how it happens, is that if we're going after Christ, we have to eagerly seek Him. That it can't be something that it's just something that we do in some vain repetition, but that we actually are pursuing, and we're not just pursuing earthly things. I'm not pursuing after somebody, and don't hear me wrong, like I say, when I say these things, please understand me. Some people, they get these um, Christian rock stars that they follow. Whether it be a man, whether it be a woman. And it's like, they, I just got to get my fix from so-and-so. I just got to, and they just, every day they're, they're pressing. But they never press toward Christ. It's great. I will, I'm thankful for you being here. I'm thankful for the folks watching online right now. And I'm thankful for the folks that will be here Sunday. And I'm thankful to have the opportunity to share the gospel and share the Bible and teach, teach these things. But ultimately, don't you press toward me and what I know. You press on. I might get hung here somewhere. I, I, I'm, I'm pressing on myself. Paul said, I have not obtained. I, I had not reached this part yet. He said, but I'm pressing on. And this ain't nothing about me, but I, I remember saying some words here my first year. And I said it from the pulpit when it was right down yonder. I said, the train's pulling out from the station. If you don't get on board, you'll get left behind. And see, a lot of people thought that was just the fact that old preacher's talking about he's going to change everything. No, 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 no. Pressing on. We're pressing on. Did you know that the Bible says that they went out from us because they were not of us? That's hard stuff, isn't it? It's hard stuff. And I'm just not saying to everybody, I'm not, don't hear me wrong, I'm not saying everybody that didn't go along. I'm just saying that you, it's time to grow up. This is not about you. This ain't about me. It ain't even about the Apostle Paul. It is about Christ. 
Everything has to be about Christ and Him crucified. The Apostle Paul said those very words. As a matter of fact, I was asked a question during my ordination service. Scott Thompson asked me, he said, the Apostle Paul said that he can't, he preached a mystery. He said, what is that mystery? I'm like, good grief, man. He said, he said, I've thought about this, prayed about this for a couple days now. I'm sitting here going, one of, the, one of the smartest people I know has thought about this for two days. And so I'm thinking like, good grief, I've got to give some kind of expose here. I've got to like give this whole book report verbally now in front of him. And the spirit of the living God stirred in my heart. And the apostle, I, this was my answer. I said, the apostle Paul claimed to know nothing save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And all of the things that the Apostle Paul could claim, he could claim to be born of the right household and lineage. He could be claimed to be born uh, on the eighth, uh, circumcised on the eighth day. He could claim all kind of things in the Christian life. But the Apostle Paul said, I claim to know nothing save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And Scott looked at me and he said, don't you ever forget it. He said, because that's what ministry is about. It's Jesus Christ and Him crucified. For without Jesus Christ and Him crucified, we have nothing. Our job is the gospel. And that is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So then he says, I press on. So he, this is, um, so I'm just going to put with some grit. You can fix anything, right? I learned this on Madagascar, the kid's cartoon. Grit, spit, and a whole lot of duct tape. Right? You can fix anything. Press on with some grit. I mean, press on. If Christ is in you, press on. And then he says, verse 13, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehend, uh, apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. So I want, let, me, let me take you real quick um, to verse 13. Just want to walk through this just from uh, and reaching forward. It means literally what you think it means, but I want you to hear what it means. To stretch out or stretch towards. To stretch oneself forward. You get the picture of somebody. He says, I, well, let's just, he says that, uh, let's see, for the, I press on, verse, and then he says, I reach forward. So he says, I reach forward, right? That was supposed to be a D right there, right? And here's the picture in my mind. It's that, it's that post here and that post here and that tape run across it. And the runner's coming down and they're neck and neck. And what do they do? Lean in. You watched them in the Olympics and all this track meets and all that stuff. They lean in. Why? I wanna, I'm, I'm going to stretch and break that ribbon. I'm, I'm, I'm pressing on. I'm eagerly racing. And I'm going to stretch forward. Some of us have not spiritually stretched in a long time, might even hurt some of us to spiritually stretch. But the Christian life, striving for Christ will stretch you. If you're going to strive for Christ and get past 
that place where Brother X and Sister Z or whatever, you, you, if you're going to get past there, you're going to have to stretch things. And God is going to cause you to have to stretch because you're going to have to give up some stuff. And I'm going to have to give up some stuff. You might have to give up your favorite TV program. You might have to give up uh, some friends. You might have to give up some family members. You might even have to look your own children in the face and have to give up some things there too. If what's going on in your life, and I'm just going to say this as, 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 as just gently as I possibly can, you are held accountable and I am held accountable in our striving for Christ, our holiness, which is not our holiness, it's His holiness. His, Paul said, not my righteousness, but His. But understand something. There is one thing to, to have somebody in my life that I am witnessing to and that I uh, have around me that does stuff that I know is not good, not, Christ is not pleased in. I know good and well that they're doing these things, and, and Christ is not pleased with these things. To have them in my life is one thing, but to uh, approve of those things is a different story. A totally different story. I have people in my life that I don't agree with biblically. And they're in my life, but they know that I don't agree with them. And it ain't like I go, man, you know, I just beat them in the head, but I just go, hey, you know what? I don't roll like that. I believe the book says this, but I'm cool being your friend. We're good. You know what I mean? And, and our friendship's not on me, it's on them. What I'm trying to tell you is that you'll never be able to just press on with grit. You'll never be able to reach and stretch forward in your life as a Christian toward that mark if you are condoning things that are in and around you that are not pleasing to God. That don't mean that the person has to change what they're doing at that moment. And I want you to hear my heart when I say that. But there's a difference between you going along with it. You with me? See, Christy was lost when, me and her both were lost when we got married. When we were dating, we was both lost. I told you before, I'd already been baptized one time. I've been through the Baptist church life and the whole nine yards. Man, you know, riding on grandma's coattail, you want to talk about church, go talk to mamma. She knows all about that stuff. Christy was the quintessential, well, I'll say the quint she, she, her family went to church, all this stuff. But see, I tried to get her to party with me, drink with me. Oh, she did it. You know what? She did it. She, we, we went, but she was lost. But she was, looked just like junior sister X. I mean, they went to the Independent Baptist Church. They had, she had the dresses to her ankles. She had her own Bible. They went every week. There are things in your life, if they are not pleasing to God, it doesn't mean you have to kick the people out of your life. Sometimes it might be. 
If it's a temptation that you can't handle, might have to go. I'll never forget one of the first major conflicts I ran into in my Christian life. Four months into my Christian life. I, first place I went was one of my running buddies. He was washing his car. Had a cooler sitting over there by the car. I told him, I said, I said, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. He said, I'm going to tell you what you need to do. You need to just reach in there and grab you one and let me get this car washed and we'll go hit town. Something inside me said, this is the words I said, not this time, man. I said, that ain't going to work this time. I said, I, and I just backed up, got in my vehicle, and I left. And it's hard. I want you to hear me. It's hard. People that you have a lot of time with, that you, you rolled with, you, that was, that's your crew. It's hard when people you love go live in a different way that you know good and well that God's not pleased with. And, and they're not going to have nothing to do with it, but that you've got to either be a part of what they're doing or you just, they, they want you to go. It's hard. It's hard too. I won't, I won't point them out, but there's somebody here tonight that has shared this very thing with me that they had people that they thought were heroes in the faith here. What, growing up, watched them and thought they were spiritual giants until they seen how they actually acted when they were confronted with their breaking tradition and breaking their rule and reign over everything and actually seeing how they acted. It's disheartening. Because see, it happens in church life too. If you got folks in church life and leadership, and there's a lot of folks now, I mean, Chestnut Ridge, it ain't nothing about bait, but it's by the grace of God, it's, it's different. But there are folks right now that struggle every single, every single week in church life. They struggle. And the reason they struggle, because there's people there wanting to serve the Lord, but then there's people there that are wanting to hold on to uh, Sister X, Brother Z. They want to hold on. Well, this is how this is how we've always done things, and what they mean is this is our club. And if you want to change this club, it'll be over our dead bodies. So that's when you pray, "Hey God, either change their location or change their heart." In other words, save them, take them home, one or the other. You deal with them. I've heard that prayed before. First time I ever heard my pastor pray that. God, you got this person here that stands right at affronting against your church. Notice I said his church. And he said, God, would you right now, it's yours, would you change their heart or change their location? Either move them out of this church or move them into the cemetery. Whatever you want to do, God, but would you get them out of the way because they're holding the church up? And I was like, wow. He just said, God, kill him. You know, I'm like, wow. And that ain't exactly what he said, but that was just, I'm sitting there going, I ain't never heard God, nobody pray, kill him, Lord. You know, I'm like, he did pray that they would get saved. He just said, either save them, change their location, either change them to another church or send them to the cemetery, God. 
But let, I want you to hear my heart, though. Do you think that God's serious about the church? He's very serious about the church, so much so that he died for the church. Y'all ever read uh, the story of Ananias and Sapphira in the in book of Acts? Yeah, they had kind of gained some money. Said they they kind of lied about it when they don't gave God their offering. They lied about things. They held back. And you know what happened to them? Some people in here know what happened to them. What happened to them? They died. There was one of them there. God struck him dead. And then the next thing you know, the other walked up and got her due. That's pretty serious, ain't it? Just over the fact that they, just over the fact that they didn't write the check right. Because God knew. And He knows. Did you know that? He knows. If you follow the Apostle Paul, he called people out by name. In the Bible. People talking about, I can't believe he calls my name out in church like that. He wrote it in the Bible. And God approved it. Called them out for what they were. And we go around and we just take Christianity... And I'm, I'm talking, I'm preaching to myself just as much as I'm preaching to you. We take Christianity so flippantly, don't we? Well, I just, I tell you what, if I ain't got a good kids program, I ain't going to that church. I ain't said nothing about what God wants them to do. Whether God wants them to be at that church or whether God don't want them. Maybe, maybe they need you to get right with Jesus and come help in the children's program. So they'll have one. Man, I brought three kids in when we came here. And that was a major increase in kids. You know? I'm just saying, we take things so flippantly, but I think the reason that we take them so flippantly is because we're not striving for this. See, the ultimate thing we ought to care about is what is us being like Christ. That's what God wants out of our lives. That's why He saved us. Did you know that God is, when God smiles on His children, He, he smiles. I believe God smiles on me. I believe if you're a child of God, that God, but you know what He's smiling at, don't you? Come on, does anybody know? It's Christ. God wasn't smiling on you until Christ came, took up residence. And God ain't smiling at my flesh neither. God is smiling at the righteousness of Jesus Christ that resides in me. That's what God's, that's what God's pleased with. God's, and see, it's not my righteousness, so right? So if I do something that's pleasing to God, then it wasn't me that did it. It was Christ that did it in and through me. Paul says, for I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet it's not I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And the life that I now live in this bag of bones, this flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's what he says. And so it's Christ that God's pleased with. Oh, boy, I tell you what, when Mama got to heaven... Telling you what it made Jesus' day. She's singing in the choir. Now they ain't never heard a voice like mama's. 
That sounds all cute. But is it right? You're telling me that one of us got to heaven and heaven got sweeter? You do know that Jesus resides there, don't you? I'm, I'm talking about he, he lives there. Not just an image of him. Not just some book about him. The Jesus that walked the streets of Galilee, he lives there. As a matter of fact, they don't even have a power bill. Why? The Bible says that the Lamb is the light. He's. When you and I get there, if we go, it won't get sweeter because we get there. As a matter of fact, I don't know how much of me is actually going to be there. Because he says that all of this that don't please him is going to be gone. And he's going to make me afresh and anew. He's going to complete the work that he started in me. And the only thing that's going to get sweeter, if anything gets sweeter in heaven, is the fact that Christ is going to be glorified because another one that he died for come home. That the good shepherd has lost no sheep and that he brought them home. Because he says, all that the Father have given me, I'll lose not one of them. Then this last verse. He says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It, it literally, well, let me just go ahead and look it up for you, for us. He says, I press toward. And I'm sorry. To pursue, to press on. Like one who pursues in a race. To run swiftly to reach the goal. All of these words tie together, but they all have this little special thing about them. You know, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says... Wherefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily ensnare us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto brother so-and-so, looking unto Jesus, for he is the author and finisher of our faith. He is the originator of our faith, and he is the perfecter of our faith. That's what it means. Who for the glory Joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising shame, is now seated at the right hand of the throne of Almighty God. That we are to lay, lay aside every weight and the sin. It's kind of interesting, isn't it, that it's too, it's like the weight and the sin? It, some things that encumber us have not become sin. They're just, I've heard it said before that a lot of times in the Christian life we'll trade the great stuff in for good stuff. We'll settle for good, but we'll miss the great. And I don't want in my life, as I look at things, I want to, I, I want to press on. I want to press toward, 
on to where, well, that others may see Jesus in me. He says, so lay aside the weight, those things that would encumber you, those things that would uh, entangle you, and the sin, those things that we know are sin. And, and I don't know about you, but we all have sin that comes along in our life. Or we have temptations and we give in to them. They become sin when it's full grown. Uh, and it brings forth death, it says. But that we have these, 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 there's sin there. And, and as we go along in the Christian life, and th this is something good, I think, to, to grab a hold of, is that on our way, striving, we're reaching, right? If we stop and go, I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied with Jesus. Oh, yes, I'm satisfied. Right? But you ain't got there yet. How can you be satisfied? I mean, I understand being content, but we can't sing this song, and, and we can't make that the theme of our life. No, I'm, I'm not satisfied because I ain't there yet. I'm to strive. I'm to keep and say, well, when do we get there when he gets us there? And that's going to be after this life. And so I don't want to miss this part before I close. See, I think one reason we, we struggle so much with not making the mark is because we're trying to make this mark more than we're trying to make this mark. You see, if at the end of the day you have reached, you have pressed on, you have run the race with endurance for that day, then you can lay your head down on your pillow at night and say, you know what? Me and God's good. I've, I've, I've give God my day. And Lord, there's this thing in my life that I know that, I, that was not right today, and I want to repent of that thing today, God. I'm not, I, I, I don't desire to do that again tomorrow. And at the end of the day, that's what the end of your day is. I've done, Lord, I've done my best. And we honestly mean that we have. We have, we have reached to be, not here, but to be like Christ. And we've, we've, we've truly done that. Then wherever you're at on this deal, because I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm, I'm, oh, yep, yep, nope, 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 yep. And that's my, but hopefully we're constantly grabbing us a, a rung on the ladder, grabbing a step or a little closer to Christ. But anywhere in there, as long as at the end of the day that I know that I'm good, then that ought to be good enough. But the most of the time in my life, if I'm honest, the reason that I'm not satisfied so that I can sleep at night is because I have things that I want to do. There are goals and things that I think other people would want me to do, and, I'll, and I'm reaching for those things instead of reaching for this. And let me just say this, if there are people in your life and at the end of the day you know that you have given your all for the glory of God and they're not satisfied, go to sleep. Go to sleep. Sleep well. Sleep well. I mean, and, and so along this line, this is one last thing. Like I said, I want to leave with you. Along that line, while you're striving and going, if you reach that place and you, you go, 
There was a time in your life, man, you was just in, on fire for Jesus. Man, you was reading your Bible, you were studying, you was praying, and not just doing those things. Those were not the end. Those were the means. And your God's working a work of holiness in your life. He, he, the righteousness of Christ is becoming more and more present in you, and then you stop. Did you know that you can just go, poo? Because Christianity ain't, it ain't like book knowledge. I mean, granted, there's a book to, to study. There's a book to, uh, to show yourself approved by. But it's not all about just, it's not about just getting book knowledge. Like, okay, well, I have studied biology, and I've got a doctor's degree in biology. See, the Word of God's living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the vision of soul, spirit, joint, and marrow, discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And the Word of God is not only alive, the Spirit of the living God is alive within you. And you and I can go from being at a great place in our development as in the righteousness of Christ being developed in us, and we can slide down this thing and have to start all back over because it ain't us. It's Him. He is being, because what we end up doing, it's almost like pulling the shades. We're constantly pulling the shades open. The sunlight's coming in. And then, then when we stop, the shades start closing again. Don't mean that, you, that, that you're not his child anymore. It just means that you, you and I, if we're, if we're denying ourselves, Christ is being lived out in us. If we start doing our own thing or even just stop, then guess what? Our flesh starts taking back over. And, there's, and we, we go through this process. And I think a lot of times in the church, people hit a place and they plateau. Well, I've, I, I, I come to church, I read my Bible, I do a devotion every day, I don't let my hiney show when I come to church, I'm good and clothed. I got this thing down now, this is the Christian life. No, it's not. If I leave you with that, anything, it's that no, we're not done. Why? Because we are to keep striving until Him who has called us, He who has called us, until He comes back and tells us it's over. So we can stop now. Until then, we're soldiers in the army. We're pressing on for the upward call of Christ Jesus. So, I want to encourage you, wherever you're at, God knows where you're at in this thing. He knows where you've been. He knows where you're going. And so there's no better place to start from than where you're at right now, and for me too. He says, putting those things which are behind, behind, and pressing on, right? No, today, today's a brand new day, and tomorrow we get a brand new chance to serve him. If we, we wake up in the morning, we got a brand new day to start things over. All this, you know, these uh, New Year's resolution stuff, no. His mercies are new every single morning. Amen. Thank you for listening today. Pastor Greg wants to share with you how the gospel changed his life and how it can change yours too. You know, Tim, it was the gospel that saved me. I'll never forget when Ray Elder came into my life 
God put him there and he shared the truth of the gospel with me that I was a sinner, that Christ died for my sins, and that if I would accept him as the Lord of my life and follow him, that he would change my life. And that's exactly what he's done. I wonder if that's something that you would like to do today, that you would today before God just admit, you know, God, I'm a sinner, I'm lost, and I need you. And God, I believe that Christ died on the cross for me, and I want to accept his payment today for, for my sins, and I want to live for him from this point forward. If you pray that prayer today, we want to welcome you into the family of God. We also want to encourage you to contact us. You'll find a link below where you can reach us. And so we look forward to hearing from you. so much that he gave his son for us. Amen. God bless you guys.